0: AM 560, the answer. Prepare to have your mind opened. The lies of the mainstream media are about to be exposed, and the hypocrisy of the left is about to be revealed. You've tuned into Black and Right. This is a revolution in how you think about politics, race, and culture. And leading that revolution are your hosts, Charles Love and John Anthony.
1: Good afternoon. Welcome to Black and Right with John Anthony and Charles Love. Hey, hey, hey. So we got, uh, I'm really excited about the show today. They're all good, but this has got me, uh, you know, kind of hyped up because we, we got lucky here. Uh, John and I have been planning this show for a few weeks, so it's just that the stars aligned. It had nothing to do with the uh, recent news. But, you know, Monday was Mexican Independence Day. I'm going to reference that shortly. And then recently on the all over Facebook, uh, Facebook and all social media has been abuzz with the revolt summit with the Candace Owens, uh, T.I. and Killer Mike, uh, especially. John, did you see
2: that? I did see that. and. I think it's going to cause for some interesting conversations today. Right, I mean, but, some very interesting right, but conversations.
1: You, you, see, John, uh, he hasn't let the cat out of the bag, but he knows what the show is about, so he knows how we can, we're can we going to tie this stuff together. So it's interesting. But quickly, I want to talk about them, because Candace Owens was uh, a conservative uh, amongst uh, uh, a large number of uh, supposed independents and leftists, and she kind of got her voice um, squashed there, and I wish she had, uh, there were some things she had out an opportunity to say, but uh, I want to get I'm in mean, with T.I. and start with Killer Mike, because okay. a lot of conservatives were all excited, like, yeah, Killer Mike was, you know, he was doing this and he sounded, you know, I so, wasn't. So, so, right. But see, here's the thing. You know, I'm always talking about pro blacks. I, I like them and I agree with them on some things. It's not like I agree with them on everything, but I think they're closer to. And at least open, open enough to hear what we're saying. But people were like lauding him like he was great. And I'm like, he couldn't come close the circle. And I had three big problems with my Killer Mike. One, if, if the one that, the one that most people don't talk about is, I know he's a rapper, but there was so much profanity and <laughs> nigger, nigger, nigger. It was almost like, you just it, it was almost like he was doing it like, I can't get blacks to understand what I'm saying unless I use profanity and say that. So it was almost condescending in one sense. The second thing he was making, boy, he made a big point. The one that blew up all over was, uh, listening to Democrats and Republicans are alike, listening to people fight over who who has the better master, but that just means he has no idea what conservatism is about, right? They're right. Just wanting freedom has nothing to do with having a master. But
2: it's, it's that control.
1: Right. And then lastly, I mean, come on, he's a Bernie Sanders supporter, so he keeps saying I care about who has something for black people, but if Bernie and socialism is about everybody being equal, so you can't get something for black people and be a communist or a socialist.
2: Uh, uh, you know, one of the things that pissed me off is that that aspect of control that he tried to do with the whole coming after uh, Candace even with TI well, he wasn't the one so TI well, was T. the one right. that really came after right. but you know you, you always hear about this black agenda if you don't follow the black agenda you know that's what that that's the, the overall goal of that whole revolt summit was following the black agenda you know I wrote something down because I wanted I wanted to make sure I said it right I wrote this when I woke up this morning and when because when, I knew we were going to hit on this Mm-hmm. You know, I I may piss some people off with this and endear others. I don't follow the black agenda. (laughs) I follow the Jesus and Him crucified agenda. I know my role. I know I have no problem with others following whatever agenda they deem fit. Jesus and crucified is all I know. I followed agendas before. Whenever I follow his agenda, my life is the better for it. I believe in this principle right here. One plant, one waters, but let God give the increase. That's for me. That might, not, that might not be for other people, but that's how I look at. That's the agenda. That's why I'm, people say, well, why you support Trump? That's why. Well, see, that's important. But let's take it at,
1: at, at face value. I'm assuming the whole point of the summit was about, uh, you know, the black helping agenda. the black community. OK, that's fine. Uh, where Candace either failed or didn't get an opportunity to respond, because now I'm going to bring it back to T.I. and bring it back to the topic of the show. T.I. attacked her about, you know, supposedly, you know, endorsing slavery or whatever. And then Trump, being a Trump supporter, you know, I mean, you, you probably run into this a lot too. The whole, his, his, his slogan being make America great again. When was America great? So I, I, I thought about that thinking what Candace should have said if I could have gone into her body at the time. Cause we talk about American greatness and, uh, I'm going to give some of my thoughts on it and then we're going to, you know, we're going to rap about it a bit. You know, the, when I talk about John and I's plan for the show today, we were talking about American greatness, right. Yep. And talking about America being great and people not understanding that slogan. So I will answer Ti's question as to when I believe America was great. But, um, I, I wrote a couple of articles and I want to, uh, Say take a couple uh, quotes from it and see what people think about it, because um, J- um, T.I. was challenging, like I said, Candace a- about Americans being great, implying that Americans not great. So, in one of the articles I wrote, I said it has become hip to bash America, a country founded on the great greatest idea in history. The mistake many make in their critiques is focusing on the times we have come sh- come up short of that idea. There's no doubt that this has happened, and there should always be attempts to improve. However, no matter how numerous those occurrences have been, it doesn't change the important distinctions of liberty and individualism that separate us from the rest of the world. This means that when we fall short, we don't become worse than other countries. We move closer to being like other countries. Uh oh, Slavery... It's the most common example that they use, but it's a bad example and they're wrong. You see, slavery is an example of America not living up to the principles, but it has nothing to do with the principles themselves. See, my point there is either, you know, you take the Declaration of Independence when Jefferson writes, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. So he's laying out a foundation about a, a potential of a country that no one else has talked about doing this before, right? So that's right. what made it new. So now when you could say, those who say he owns slaves and all these other things, the question is only, is it true? Is that statement true? So, A, do those rights come from a creator and not from man? And B, do they apply to everyone? If you agree with those two things, then it doesn't matter that they did a bad job of acting it out for a while so my answer to when was america great it's been different levels of greatness but it's been great since the beginning it got greater when hundreds of thousands of americans died to to end slavery it got even greater at the end of slavery when we had all the freedoms we didn't have government encroaching on everything before woodrow wilson and his type screwed everything up and then it ebbed and flowed obviously jim crow made it less great but it didn't make it not great it's not about perfection it's about what you do well and the, and the premise and the ideal of the country itself. So that's why. So what we're going to do today, which is interesting, is that we're going to talk about American greatness, like I said. But what we're going to do is a twist that I'm excited about is we're going to do it. We talk about immigration. We talk about greatness. We talk about black America. That was what that summit was about. We're going to talk about. America's greatness and what makes it unique and special, but through the eyes of immigrants, people have been coming to these shores for years, right? So why don't we talk to some of those people and see what they have to say, both about the countries that they left that they might not like or might love or the country and the country that they came to. And the the, the people that we'll be talking to, we, you know, we'll have people call in and talk about their experiences. And we have a couple of guests that will, uh um, point out some things there too so I think it would be great to hear what an immigrant has to say about either why they came what they've
2: experienced since being here and what their thoughts of America are did did, did you listen to the entire video uh, I, I did not because I'm, I'm curious it was like an hour and a half Right. Well, now. I'm I curious if TI ever said that he does he believe that America is great oh, we already now. know he does I mean but I mean he has how many millions in that bank account yeah. so America's gotten great for him correct right so I mean I get what I get what they were trying to say and Candace is brave for going in there all about her lonesome right. without any backup, without anybody coming to her defense. I mean, Big Mike did, I mean, Killer Mike, yeah. he did come to her de- the defense, I mean, to be fair to him. Well, that's true. He did come to her defense and, and basically laid out what he felt like. You know, hey, this is what you should have said. And then, but I, I thought it was rude of him when she was getting ready to say something. He's like, no, no, you be quiet now. You had your opportunity. <laughs> did, you, did you hear but him say that? she didn't have her opportunity. To though, though, because I never they gave it over her. her. T.I. never I gave mean, her I the opportunity.
1: She, I think what she should have done was just say, she, I mean, you you know we can all critique her, but I know she she knew she was going into it. It's a difficult thing. People booing and all that. They're not treating the other people. They don't agree with everything Killer or T.I. says, but they're not booing them. I would have just said, look, at least let me say one thing, and then you can say whatever you want to say after that, and then I would have made the most poignant mark, I, a point I could make, and then let them go. Yeah, but because they're going to disagree with you anyway.
2: But but I think when she realized that she wasn't able going to go into when she wasn't able to get her point across, you know, I, I believe in this other thing. You know, don't don't cast your pearls before swine. You know, because they're going to trample on them and destroy them. So I, I think that's what she was trying to do when she realized that they weren't just going to listen to anything she had to say. They were just there to shout her down, specifically pe- somebody like T.I. I bet she's been chopping at the bit to get to her, to have a one on one in a public setting to tr- basically shut her down, to shut her up because of her belief systems.
1: Right. But I, I, I think that, um, my, like I said, my argument has always been the problem with the people, the the white left. And, you know, a lot of the pro blacks, like I told you, I keep saying over and over again, I'm aligned with them on many things, but some of them, the ones that don't get it, the problem with them is. America 's not perfect, but they keep hearing when you say "great, they hear perfect. Correct. so what they do is they, they take america 's flaws because they live amongst it, they feel it every day, and compare it to the good things they hear about countries they 've never been that 's why this episode is going to be so powerful because we 're going to talk to people who can give them first hand experience of what happens in other countries so You know, we're going to talk about that. Give us a call at 312 642 5600 and tell us what you agree about your feelings on American greatness, whether I'm right or wrong, what you feel about what we're saying, and some of our uh, guests. We're going to start off next, coming up with a Jew who lived through the Soviet Union. That's going to be a very interesting experience. You're listening to Black and Right with John Anthony and Charles on AM 560, The Answer.
0: This is Black and Right on AM560 with Charles Love and John Anthony.
3: Get these empty souls, shut our faces. Break your silence, break your silence. Tonight,
4: Break break your silence,
3: break your
0: silence. Run away.
1: Welcome back to Black and Right on AM560, The Answer. That song you heard there is by the artist we have here on hold, Rains, R-A-I-N-Z. We're talking about uh, America's greatness through the eyes and ears of immigrants. And we have on the line Rains, who is an American citizen who was uh, born and raised behind the steel curtain, I'd love to hear his thoughts and what he has to say about his experience. Welcome to the show, Reigns.
3: Hello, Charles. What a pleasure to be on your show. And John, hi. I know. Pleasure meeting you, too.
1: (laughs) It's it's good to have you. Hey, um, I'm assuming you uh, were listening and you heard a bit of the uh, first segment Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. So uh, what do you I think did. about that? I don't know if you saw the video we were re- referencing, but I would love to hear your thoughts on, uh, you know, let, let's take it really slow. So how, how old were you when you came here? I was 17. Okay. Um,
3: just graduated from high school pretty much. And uh, that's when my family right. was, allowed, so, was it, allowed to leave the country.
1: Right. So uh, was there a period of time before then when they were trying to leave? How long did it take them to, from I'd the time so, they wanted yes. to leave to get here?
3: They went through a very long process uh, of being approved by the United States, uh, approximately three years or so, if not more, Uh, from the time they filed the application, uh, and then by the time we had an interview uh, at the American Embassy in Moscow. So the whole process together, before we were allowed actually to buy tickets, um, took approximately three years or so.
1: Okay. And, um, so yep. walk us through a little bit of, uh, what I want to learn today. We're going to hear about, hear from people from, uh, several different co- countries, all with interesting backgrounds, is a little bit about what your experience is. We don't know it firsthand. We only see and hear in books, but what it was like to be, uh, I guess when you came here, it was after the fall, but you, when you were a child, uh, it was still, uh, the Soviet Union. So, you know, from six to t- high school, what, 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 give us some, uh, a little bit of what that was like. <laughs>
3: Yes. Um, so I'm an immigrant from hell. You know, Soviet Union wow. was... Uh, Did he say hell? Yes. And those who say otherwise, uh, they're lying. Okay. There are some Russians that I know uh, or I hear of um, somewhere on TV or something saying that, oh, it used to be so nice. Now it's horrible. Well, they, they still have it horrible. Forget about what they have now. Uh, I mean, from talking about one field idea into another field idea. And but give us a specific,
1: I, felt, them, I want these people to feel it. Give us a, one or two specifics of something that you saw, felt, well, smelled,
3: <clears throat> what you weren't well, allowed first to all, do. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, well, first of all, you know, just to give us a uh, simple example. You know, I'm Jewish and, and you represent me correctly. So when I was a kid, uh, third grade, uh, my, my school teacher in front of the whole class actually announced that all Jews are traitors because, you know, they want to leave Soviet Union. Uh, let's say, go to Israel, for example. Some, some of the Jewish community uh, uh, folks wanted to leave Soviet Union back then. Uh, and uh, that's, and everybody in class... And then she, what she said is like, and by the way, uh, why don't you get up and announce your ethnicity, not, not the nationality as a Soviet Union citizen. So I had to get up and say that I'm, you know, I'm Russian. She said, no, you're not Russian. Keep standing until you tell me the truth, who you are. And, and next thing I know, the class... The whole class, women I we were like uh, eighty years, like, you know, yeah, like years old. Yeah, like eight or nine. Hit this is up. amazing. Exactly, yeah. So this is, we're talking about the level of anti-Semitism. If we, you know, if, and I'm addressing Jewish community who are, you know, a few generations who live here. You don't understand how great we have it here. Right. Uh, I you're mean, the Soviet say, Union was an extremely anti-Semitic uh, 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 country.
1: I had this right on. One of my questions you answered at first was going to ask you, are Jews even considered Russian? Because I know that that's an interesting thing from an eth- ethno uh, uh, situation that we have different from here. But let me also ask you, so you already answered that, but let me ask you and then we'll go to John. But I want to know, you talk about the schools. What did the schools teach you all about America?
3: <laughs> okay, we had two things going on. It's, at least to the time when I was, uh, when, when I was, you know, basically growing up, and, and uh, we already started watching a little bit of American movies, and it was not legal. Okay, we would just watch it here and there. You know, somebody would I am sorry, could you something. say that
1: again? Just say it so. Say you were yes, watching American, we, No, you are watching American mo- mo- movies, and say the piece after that. It was not what again. Was it legal? was not legal. Oh, okay.
3: It was not legal. No, it, we, no, no. Um, like Rambo would not be allowed to be played in movie theaters, for, some, for mm-hmm. example. I mean, not, none of it was, not, nothing American was allowed. Uh, uh, so we had two things going on. We, like, for example, me and others, we adored and loved the United States. We knew that the United States is something uh, amazing. At the same time, what we were getting in schools and by Communist Party, from which, by the way, they didn't accept me for my speeches like that <laughs> 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 uh, and so uh, what happened was uh, uh, they were propagating uh, the idea that America is the evil on the planet and we need to protect ourselves and everybody in the entire uh, socialist camp around the Soviet Union that we need to stand strong against them they were uh, they were celebrating every communist that we know of today who went to soviet union pretending that hey they have it really nice out there and you know who i'm referring to right now yeah. one of them is running for president
2: Uh-oh.
3: this despicable man and, and anybody who follows this guy it, forget about democrat or republican this guy is evil who are you talking about <laughs> uh yes bernie okay. sanders <laughs> yes so so people like that were useful idiots in the soviet union they would be praised and shown on tvs to us That look they recognize that we are the actual idea that works, which is Soviet Union. And look, the failed United States, they all come here, the politicians and musicians, especially musicians, it's a very really upsetting situation in the art community here. You know, hey, hey know, like
2: Rain, hey, sorry to cut you off. Yeah. But I, I want to talk more <laughs> about, um, you, you, you look at what's <laughs> happening with immigration, illegal immigration in America. Um, is there yeah. anything that you're seeing today about, how, give me your thoughts and feelings about how you, uh, about... What, what you, where are you seeing the American immigration system go? Is it, are you seeing anything back from the home country that you're starting to see invade America, uh, socialism, communism? Uh, do you think that has anything to do with the rise of uh, socialism in the United States? I don't think
3: that's what brings immigrants uh, in the United States to begin with. They actually, all of them, 100%, 100% come from left-wing, leftist countries that are run by leftist governments. There is not a single Australian we know that crossed the border illegally and uh, is asking for a visa, right, or, you know, status. We don't know any of this. I came from the left-wing idea uh, that failed. Uh, Look at South America and everybody else. The only problem I have with immigration, some uh, immigrants, who praise their countries while they stay here and they live here, yeah. This is absolutely unacceptable. What I remember, what we went through, we had an interview here uh, in the United States before we were approved for citizenship, whether we had alliance uh, to the Soviet Union still, whether we traveled there, because a lot of immigrants who pretend to run away from their countries, they keep going back there, having vacations, all of this. It's absolutely unacceptable to me. So if you, you, know, if you leave your country and you're asking for refugee status, for example... Uh-huh. Uh, illegal immigrants included. They they run away supposedly, right? They uh-huh. they literally get up and they want to save their lives. Yeah. And they come here and they put up those, uh, you know, they celebrate their holidays from the old countries, from you know, previous countries. It's it's a. It, I'm appalled. It's like me still running around with a Soviet flag on the streets. Right. So, it's October so, so 25th. So Reigns, <laughs> So, Raines,
2: so Raines, Do you do you support yeah. Trump's immigration policy? The building of the wall. Uh, is there are there any aspects of his policy that you don't agree with?
3: I agree with his policies on immigration yes I I certainly not a big fan of his foreign policy I mean he could have been a little bit stronger than isolationism is really is really here's what here's what broke the camel's back Um, the Soviet Union because we were not isolationists. Uh, Reagan was involved uh, with Soviet Union he he actually you know went head-on to deal with this monster it was a monster I mean, Reagan gave because of Reagan, he gave half of the planet freedom to some degree. Russia is still lacking, unfortunately. Reigns, we have a few seconds here. Do you want to tell the
1: people how they can uh, find your music?
3: Yes. um, Well, please, uh, if you can, (laughs) if you don't mind, to write it down because um, (laughs) um, you can find. Well, with the R A
1: I N Z, right? Reigns on Facebook. uh, Uh, it's been a right. pleasure, it's you, been You can literally, yes, you, you can type time. in
3: Reigns, Shadow Train, for example, the name of the song you just yes, played, and, and I truly appreciate play. it.
1: Thank you for coming on. You're listening to Black and Right on AM560, The Answer.
0: Black and Right continues on AM560. Once again, here are your hosts, John Anthony and Charles Love.
1: Welcome back to Black and Right with John and Charles. Uh, I forgot to mention at the top of the show that, uh, thanks to George, we are live streaming. So you can check us out at AM560, The Answer. Black and Right, I see us up. Well, there's a light in my face, but John can see us on the screen.
2: I can see. Well,
1: <laughs> sort of. I mean, I'm blacked out on my side, well, though. Blacked out, time. first time ever. Uh, so we've been talking <laughs> about American greatness and... Uh, from the eyes of an immigrant. And uh, we have a caller on the line, Yvonne. Um, Yvonne, welcome to Black and White. Right. Are you up? Can, she hung up can you hear me? No, it says she's there. I'm tapping her. Are you tapping her? That's those Joliet phones. I think she's up now. Hey. hey, how are you? Hey,
5: I finally made it. I'm you so did. excited. Hey,
1: Yvonne. You didn't tell us where you were from. And I think I, it's so funny. You call, like, I answered the phone. You're like, it's me, Yvonne. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like oh my gosh, you you forgot me already? I can't believe it. No, it, ju- it just wasn't <laughs> me on the phone. What you got? What are you well, thinking so far? Um,
5: wait, you do know who this is, right? I do.
1: You're eating okay. up the time. What are you thinking? Tell me. What okay. You want to well, about you know mind?
5: what? As soon as I heard, as soon as I heard the topic, I thought, oh my gosh, this is my call. This is definitely my call. So tell everybody uh, where you're I'm from, where a- you were born. I was born in, in Guatemala, or mm-hmm. like my husband teases me because I can't, I, I, I say Guatemala because people say Guatemala, but actually it's Guatemala.
1: Guatemala. Guatemala. Yes. Yeah. So you yes. tell, tell us what, what, what you were thinking when, when we were setting it up and when you f- harken back to well, uh, you, where you grew up. A
5: lot of what the other guy said, I totally agree with. You know, when my father, my father was a a politician, actually, he was raised here himself uh, from the age of 10, was visiting Guatemala when he met my mom. Long story short, he got involved in politics. It almost cost him his life. And that's how we ended up here. Mm -hmm. I was seven years old when I was brought here. And from the moment that I stepped foot on this land, my dad told us, Mm -hmm. and I was the oldest of five, he told us, you are now Americans, you know, which meant. In every sense of the word, we left our birth country behind and we became Americans and with every sense of the word. And I it, it's very worst, I want to get this out, you know, that I think America at its very worst is the best country in Amen. the world.
1: You could not end the call Amen. any greater than that. Thank Thanks you all. for the call. Um, you know, we're going on to another country that, that that's been in the news a lot, Korea. Um, and I want to go to my friend Julie uh, to talk about her experience. Uh, Julie, welcome to Black and Right. Hi.
6: Hi, Julie.
1: Thanks for having me. Awesome to have you. So I don't... Have you been listening? Uh, You've been busy. You weren't really listening. That's fine. I can talk specifically (laughs) about you. She ignored us, Charles. She ignored us. So you were uh, brought here when you... I mean, you came when you were a teenager, right? Kind of like Reigns?
6: I was... Yeah, I was sixteen.
1: Sixteen. So, um, yeah. yours is a little different because you know some people they, people come here for many different reasons. You weren't fleeing, so when you came, you didn't really want to come here, right? Tell us about that.
6: Right, I didn't want to really come here. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> I, I I didn't know about this, but apparently my family had applied for um, a visa for green card in nineteen eighty. And then we were um, issued the green card. Um, the visa was issued on, in 1987. So my mom, like my dad, my dad had passed away in 1978 from cancer. So I was seven years old when he passed away. So then you know my mom uh, tells me and my brothers that we're going to America, and then said we're not. <laughs> I'm not I'm not going to America because I like it here (laughs) all my friends are here I'm perfectly happy here I am not going to America and I think that's Um, a good thing because
1: uh, most of the people they expected me as a conservative to to bring a bunch of people on who hated their country so they can say good things about America but you you were brought almost kicking and screaming you were a teenager you had friends you didn't want to come but what are your views of America now being here for for years
6: so I think you know, and and I felt this as soon as we you know we landed it, just the, the freedom that we have um, in this country that that I feel most people who have never lived outside of the United States uh, take it for granted. Just to give you an example, right? We talk about um, uh, we talk about racial discrimination a lot in this country. Now you take Korea, it's one of the most homogeneous, um, country in terms of ethnic background of the people, right? It's just, it's one blood. So everybody looks the same. Everybody comes from the same, same, uh, line of blood. So there is, the, you, you don't, you wouldn't think that there would be much of racial discrimination. So because there, there's not too many different people racially, ethnically, there's different kinds of, I mean, it's, it's a lot more, um, there's a lot more discrimination. It, it, in a homogeneous society so i told you earlier that my father passed away from cancer uh, when i was seven years old and um, i couldn't i couldn't tell my friend i couldn't tell my neighbors so my neighbors didn't know that my father had passed away um my mom couldn't tell people that she was she was a widow um, <laughs> because we would be ostracized because we would look we, we don't fit in the typical our uh, family with father and mother. Um, so I would be ostracized. My brother would be ostracized, and you know, my our family would be ostracized from the neighborhood um in school. So none of my friends knew. <laughs> even my best friend. Wow,
1: that is um, totally. Didn't I mean, know.
6: Yeah. That that, that is something <laughs> that, that, that
1: none of us would even be able to think about. John had an interesting question for you. Oh, we'll hold it. We'll yeah. Okay. So uh,
2: mm-hmm. you, you know, you and I are both involved in politics. Politics is. Is in almost everything, especially when it comes to immigration. But what were your thoughts and mm-hmm. your parents' thoughts, your family thoughts, and and how did you you guys feel about when Trump started talks with North Korea?
6: Um, what do you mean by
2: when when, when Trump started the talks with what, North Korea? As, as as someone that's from the South South, oh, oh, Korea, oh, oh yeah. okay. So what, what you were your when, thoughts? When what he were your feelings? Talks yeah. with
6: North Korea? Yes. So, um, I think. In my opinion, I think a lot of the um, very concerned Korean immigrants uh, on North Korea shares my opinion that he did a good job of de-escalating the crisis. Um, the, the guy in North Korea, he's not someone who can be tamed. He's not someone who could be reasoned. Someone, Not someone who could be uh, talked with logic. But I, my opinion was that he... I didn't. I didn't really have a very high hope, well, and it, most Koreans do not have very high hopes. Like, okay, so yes, for that, you know, Julia. they're going to have a talk, but so what?
1: I hear <laughs> the music. We are up against the break here. Uh, thanks okay. for your time. I appreciate it. Uh, we'll be back with more on Black and Right with uh, John and Charles on AM five hundred and sixty. The answer.
0: And now more of Black and Right. On AM 560, here are your hosts, John Anthony and Charles Love.
1: Welcome back to Black and Right with John and Charles, talking about America's greatness through the eyes of immigrants. And we have on the line Nana from Ghana. Hey, Nana, how are you? How's it going? Fantastic. So, um... You're the first immigrant we've had from Africa, so if I got to start there, I want to start with that right there. What are your <laughs> thoughts? I, I know that—I uh, I don't know for sure, but I can assume you're—I don't know what your feelings are, but I know you have some thoughts on. I always find it in- interesting, as a black man from America, to hear people talk, the, talk about Africa and going back to Africa, how Africans are treating the black this— Acting like it's a country, so I want to. I want to start <laughs> off by saying, what do you think about the people who say Africa like you're all the same?
7: Oh gosh, uh, wow! You've uh, hit on a topic that uh, usually is a bit of a sore spot to those of us who are from the continent. Yeah, Af- Africa is not monolithic, so I can only speak in large part from my experience as a as a Ghanaian, Even then, my my experience is nuanced because there's so many different. Uh, classes and ethnic groups that are in Ghana. I, I, in some degree, I can talk about West Africa, but in no, by no means can I talk for the entirety of Africa. You have five different uh, sub-regions within that continent alone. Uh, so usually that statement is just born. I, it's in, on a good day, I can excuse it as, well, this is the United States of America, which for all intents and purposes is a country made out of 50 smaller countries, but it's seen as just one country, so I can excuse it for that. Uh, but for the most part, it's just, yeah, you... Uh, you can you can af- afford learning more about other places and cultures enough to make statements that are more closer to the truth
1: without a doubt i know people will love it because what i heard it. i mean because i you know i read and i study a lot and i <laughs> care about other cultures and it's a, but even you uh, that's why i wanted to do this because you learn a lot from people when you hear it first tell everybody the awesome story about your uncle
7: oh yeah so my uncle is the uh, is a surgeon in johannesburg south africa um he He probably moved from Ghana uh, right around the time I was born, so back uh, in the late 80s, early 90s. And whenever he comes to visit uh, Ghana from South Africa, he's usually uh, greeted with the response, um, Oh, we'll have a good time in Africa, Um, even though South Africa is like half Africa in its name and its (laughs) continent.
1: I love that. The man, if you want to get that, the man is going to visit his family in Ghana in Africa, and he's leaving South Africa in Africa. And if people say, "Have fun in Africa," yeah, yep. you think we? I mean, to- if he was leaving
7: Madagascar, I could see how they could uh, how, yeah, they the, how they, they go could the water. Work, but I'm pretty sure he doesn't get that from there.
1: Right, but see, that's the point that I try. I'm trying to make here is that. America, even with its flaws, and I'm sure you can put out many that you've seen you get, since you've been here, but it's not that. The key is that we're not, you know, perfect, but these type of things are human things, not American things. So the fact that those things yeah. happen and in North Africa is a whole different thing altogether. So, oh, um, right. So I think people need to understand that before they go off on. Well, somebody did something to me that was racist in Chicago. Therefore, America sucks. Right.
8: Yeah.
7: Yes. And I think that's that's a difficult one. I think the best times, and the best of times when you hear arguments of people bashing on America who are Americans, it's 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 similar to what you and John are talking about. Right. It's it's coming from a place of seeking a more perfect union. Mm -hmm. And and that's America at its most beautiful. Right. Because it's, it's a country that has continued to go back to its original ideals, some of which were flawed. Um, but it's been able to go back to its original ideals and continue to ask the question how can we better, be better? How are we aligning to these original ideals?
1: Um, and I, See, think I we would, can I all would argue against experience. the ideals, though. I would argue against the, our ideals were flawed. The people were flawed. <laughs>
7: mm, I mean, if the people are making the ideals, then if the people are flawed, then the ideals no, are flawed. No, the people made a great and idea and then
1: didn't the follow idea. up to it.
7: John? Well, even, even when they made the idea, they weren't, following, they weren't following up to it. So, I mean, you, you have, a, you have a, a nation that's, and, and to its credit, I mean, I think it, it's interesting. The time I started appreciating the U.S. and its ideals the best was when I heard from a British theologian talking about how America is the greatest uh, experiment and the world is learning from both its successes and its uh, failures. Uh, and that helped me appreciate it was it wasn't coming from an American, it was coming from someone, you know, a country that used to uh rule America for all right. purposes or or the colonies. Uh seeing America in a different light from, you know, where, where I probably stood at that point.
1: Well, I told you this goes fast. We only have a few more seconds. I know you wanted to point out one other thing. I think it was about violence or about guns or something you wanted to say.
7: Oh, yes. Uh, so it's been very interesting as, as someone coming from, from Ghana uh, being privy to the gun debates in America. And sometimes people make the argument about, uh, well, the best way to stop a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. And you could argue for that, but I I usually like to point out that fact that, when I was growing up in Ghana, I, usually you would have a, a, a cat burglar reaching to your home, coming I mean, with no weapons. And then we started attacking them with guns, and so they started coming with guns. And then we started using bigger guns, and they came with even bigger guns. Mm-hmm. Uh, the argument it, it doesn't always work.
1: That's true. Well, thanks for calling. Thanks for coming on. And uh, we'll be back talking about America's Greatness on Black and Right, AM560, The Answer.
0: now, more of Black and Right on AM560. Here are your hosts, John Anthony and Charles Love.
1: Welcome back to Black and Right with John and Charles. Coming back with the Immigrant Zone, perfect for this episode about Americans' greatness. And John, we've uh, had a doozy for the first hour. What have
2: you been thinking about uh, hearing I, these stories? I think I think there's a common thread with everybody that's uh, we've spoken to thus far the common thread is the how great america really is and how i think uh, every, each one of those people that we spoke to today feels like we need to continue to fight to make sure america stays great and i think that's and i think that's when you when you look at what the president why he came up with that <laughs> Make America great again. I, I can <laughs> tie. I can tie Trump. I can tie Trump to it's, anything. It's funny though. It's funny because I can it's the Trump
1: supporters it. and the Trump haters right. can make everything
2: about Trump. That's right. I. 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 I'm very. I'm very skilled at that. <laughs> okay. Go but, ahead. But, but. But. I think that's when you know when Winthrop said it. You know, uh, together. You know, about the city being on a hill and the greatness of of America and all eyes upon us. I think Trump gets that, and and how great America really is. And I. I really don't think. And I think what's happening today. Is when you're having all these cultures, all of these ethnicities who are coming here to America and not assimilating, not taking on the culture of America, but bringing their culture and, 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 and expecting their culture to be the top culture of America. I think that's why we're running into a lot of these problems, because you have this huge melting pot and it's boiling over Yeah. I think that's what's happening when you look out and you look out and seeing what's happening in America. Right. So Trump is a lot of people trying to make it look like it's a racist. I'm never going to stop saying Trump. I'm, I'm stop saying Trump. <laughs> uh, and, wrong, but, <laughs> wrong, fake news, right? Um, but 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 that's that's really what's happening because Trump really was the one to bring this whole immigration debate to the forefront to actually try to help change it to try to fix what's what's wrong. And that's that's what I was gonna. Um, Pose that question to, what was his name, Nana? Mm-hmm. I was going to pose that question, but we, we just didn't have enough time to do it. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, we have to fix this immigration system. I mean, we're, we're, we're still working and operating on a decades-old immigration system. We've, we've done pot shots. We've done little piecemeal fixes here. But it's going to take men and women who are willing to sacrifice and lose their seats to actually fix what's ailing our immigration system and process.
1: Well, I mean, I think the immigration system uh, definitely needs reworking, but I think that's a whole show in itself. I want to talk about the the culture, the way people act, immigrants, about Americans, this American greatness thing, and focus primarily on that because you make a good point. You said people are coming here expecting, you know, to make their culture dominant and things of that nature. And I think Dennis Prager says a good thing. He always talks about people flee things you know i want to leave that country because this this was bad and then they go somewhere else and they want what they what they left which is which which doesn't make sense and i think it's good that we had nana last because nana made a really good point too cuz he talked about appreciating appreciating america's greatness but he got the most appreciation from it in listening to a a context, a contextual uh, description of it, and I think that goes to my my argument. My argument is, is what, what do we lead the hour with? With me saying yeah. people think greatness is is perfect, so we're arguing. Those of us who think this country is great are arguing for greatness, and they're saying, well, it's not because that guy wasn't perfect. But they're arguing two
2: separate things. But 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 I do I do think it makes sense, and I think that's the argument of America. These people realize they can come to America and do what they're doing, not assimilating freely. Without any, you know, some army, some police coming after them. I think that's Moving why it them makes to a certain correct. That's why it makes sense. And look, I want any and everybody to come to America. America is great because of immigrants. Legally, though, there you go. Well, this has been fun. It's
1: gonna. We're not done. The fun is gonna continue. We have a few more people coming up. We have the great Jason Hill, author of the book We Have Overcome talking about immigration and assimilation. You're listening to Black and White on AM560 The Answer.
0: Prepare to have your mind opened. The lies of the mainstream media are about to be exposed, and the hypocrisy of the left is about to be revealed. You've tuned into Black and Right. This is a revolution in how you think about politics, race, and culture. And leading that revolution are your hosts, Charles Love and John Anthony. <laughs>
1: Welcome back to Black and Right with John and Charles. Is it just me, John? It's the second hour intro music, always really,
2: really fast. Really, really fast. I think it was on some, like, speed or something.
1: Yeah, that is odd. Um, well, as you know, in this hour, like the first hour, we're going to talk about America's greatness through the uh, eyes and ears and uh, experiences of immigrants. And um, John was talking about briefly, um, at the end of the hour, about what he got from the callers and guests we had in the first hour yeah um so what did you you talked about uh uh assimilation and you talked about nana and you (laughs) talked about uh korea Uh and um what was the other we talked we had uh soviet
2: union right yeah the soviet union yeah oh the the, the, the uh, the rains rains. yes (laughs) it's music sounds pretty good too yeah, we How, have to listen to more. How'd you find him? How'd you find him? Uh,
1: um, I met him through Julie, actually. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Right, it's like an immigrant chain.
2: All the immigrants know each other, I guess. It's a thing. Oh, <laughs> gotta be careful with the immigrant chain thing going on. So, man.
1: um, yeah. So now we're going to continue the thing, and um,
2: we are. But, but, but Charles, here, yeah. here's a question: Why? Why do you think so many Americans don't believe America's great, or that they don't believe in the exceptionalism of America? What? What? what I mean, who started it? What? Where, where, where did this? them from um
1: I think that a lot of it is um where it started I don't know I think that people make the mistake of thinking because they're upset about something okay it's like um I'll give you one I was talking about an article that I read before and uh reading clips from it and I had another one that I had I'm trying to see if I can find it so it was about a conversation that I had with uh immigrants at a barbershop right Uh And it started out, two Palestinians, a Mexican, a Syrian, and a black man are sitting at a barbershop. Sounds like a joke. <laughs> it sounds like the beginning of a joke, but it describes a recent encounter I had. So I go on to say, one of the guys says, Trump's a racist, and when was America great? And it goes back and forth into that. So it was a young Palestinian guy, and he uses an example saying that he was at the airport, and he was detained for several hours, and he felt that it was because uh, he was a Muslim. And I said that what he fails to understand that— He's calling the country racist because he was held at the uh, airport. Now, it could have been racism. It could have been another thing. But let's assume it is racism. I'm saying, but the problem where he doesn't understand uh, is that He's making that act of racism from that person, the country. So the country's Correct. racist because that guy's like, no, the country is the government. That guy is racist. Correct. And unfortunately, the guy, the other guy there was also Palestinian, but he was older. He's like, that's interesting. You say this country is racist against Palestinians because you were detained for eight hours because I've been here for 30 years and I've been going back and forth from Lebanon here and I've never been stopped.
2: But do you, do you think it at you see, all- what they don't understand? They don't
1: understand the situational.
2: Do you think it also has something to do with our educational system? You think oh. how they're teaching and uh, uh, to your point, to the culture, without a doubt, you look at what happened yesterday with all with all these schools, all these school age kids going around doing mm-hmm. a climate change thing. I mean, I I think it comes from there. Uh, you know, I'm I'm a late bloomer as far as going to, to a university. And I remember, you know, going to and some of the educational stuff that I had to do, some of the papers I had to write. I'm like, wait right. a minute. This they want me to talk about how much I hate America. I don't hate America. I love this country.
1: <laughs> yeah, that is true. Um, I think I mean education obviously plays a huge part. I mean, people don't know. Um, I mean, th- you got these impressionable minds, and, and people are teaching them and telling them, and, and the people who are teaching are, are from a generation that were raised. You know, as we slowly, slowly move to the left, and so they're angry, so they're instilling all these views on those students. You know what? Before we go to our next our next guest, maybe we should see what. Uh, verlon, verlon oh has boy. to say here we go uh, uh verlon are you still there oh what's up brother <laughs> well, he just goes right in. listen john you stole some of my thunder
4: but not all of it okay. you are exactly right assimilation is what uh assimilation not assimilating is what's still in this country see I'm, I'm gonna break down a little a little uh scientific knowledge that you might not be aware of right now now they they are uh, the left says assimilating under the white culture is, is, is like oppressing the people. They, they're starting not to use multiculturalism anymore because that means separate but equal. They're catching on to it. So now they got this new thing called the solid bowl. Uh-huh. That means every culture is supposed to learn from each other. See, I work in health so I have to, we test like every month and I have to learn these things. But, uh, what, I want, but what I want to say is, first I want to say, uh, you mean to tell me two black men, Got to belittle a black woman and got away from and got away with it. Oh, that's Uh-oh, a good point. I got a sneaky suspicion, yeah, suspicion is because she's a conservative and they don't count, right? Correct. Okay, that's a good now, point. What wanna, now, <laughs> now, what I want now what I want to say is, listen, black people. I got. I'm black, so I got to break down our problem, right? You black with black people with black people. We we think the country owes us. Okay, that's the reason why uh, we, we bought into the Bernie Sanders uh, idea of what's, what's good for us. Like, in the Democrat platform, whenever I get a chance to speak, I'm going to break down the Democrat platform. One thing that the Democrats champion is an economic renaissance. Oh, boy. Now, do, does, does either one of you know, know what that means?
2: But you, you're going to break it down to us, I'm
4: sure. Okay, let, let me break it down to you. Our economic renaissance means the top-down takeover of business... Healthcare, education, all of the issues that matter. Like in China, they got to have 51% of of your business, the government owns your business. If they take over healthcare, they take over education and and teach your kids the way they want them to learn, what do you have? You have oppression. You You have government telling you exactly what to do with your life. You don't own your life anymore, and black people have bought into that. That is socialism
2: at the highest we're gonna have to meet for coffee we're gonna have to meet for some coffee well you
1: you all are definitely gonna get to talk thanks Verlon for the call Um, now we were waiting to get our guest online as we went to Verlon we knew he could feel some time Um, our uh, next guest is uh, Jason Hill he is the professor of philosophy at DePaul University and author of several books his most recent is we have Overcome, an Immigrant's Letter to the American People. He's also the president and CEO of the Institute of Immigration Assimilation. Uh, Jason, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Well, I wanted to have you on. I don't know how much you've heard about what we've been saying and the other people to call, because you literally wrote the book on um, the greatness of America and how people take it for granted. And I wanted you to talk about that a bit. Now, of course, if you want to go into a bit of your experience in Jamaica, because I know you came basically as an adult, so you have your experiences there. But talk about what ties these these stories together of these uh, immigrants and coming here and what they experience when they get here.
9: Well, I think, I think one of the things that ties us all together is that we didn't really experience the worst uh, of America. That is, you know, America is a very complicated country. And we all came here with aspirational identities. We all came here not experiencing the worst aspects of America. We didn't sit in the back of a bus. We didn't experience the nefarious uh, uh, aspects of racism. We came here knowing a dream in our hearts that we had. We came here wanting to write or narratives, and we came here wanting to plant or stories onto the American landscape. And so we came here not being afraid of white people. We came here not being scared of um, any obstacles that we were told we would face in America. We came here with a kind of confidence, knowing that with grit, tenacity, perseverance, and hard work, there is a there wasn't anything that we couldn't overcome. And we believed in the concept of the American dream, unlike Tanisha Coates, who thought that the American dream was inimical to the aspirational identities of black people. We believe in the American dream.
1: Well, Jason, it I... I- I would say that, that that while that is true, there's two sides to it, right? So you all came without having that baggage of us blacks, the Ados, as they're calling them today, who were here before. But you also, in a lot of situations, your career uh, the the guy who left the Soviet Union, had experiences that were so negative that when they come here, you know, there's nothing but hope. So we kind of lose out on that aspect of it as well, right? On hope? No, no. That I'm saying that there's a higher level of hope and expectations, and um, and and a positive forward thinking of that immigrant coming from those areas where there were dictators and things of that nature. Then the person who was here, who even they had to, though they had to deal with discrimination, they were born to a level of freedom that other countries don't see.
9: I think that's right, and I think those distinctions have to be made. That's why I said, you know, we didn't really sit in the back of a bus. We didn't have the sort of nefarious experiences that ethnic minorities in this country had and i think those distinctions have to be made and i think one of the things that really upsets me is that when i hear for example caribbean blacks trying to disparage the experiences of black americans or african americans oh. or native americans and say we're not like those people or africans you know nigerians or, or west africans i said look you know you have to have some sort of compassion without being patronizing you have to say you have to realize that psychologically we as immigrants came here without those kinds of, we came here with a set of, a different kind of cultural baggage, we came here with a kind of confidence we came here not as race people, but we came here as cultural people with, with a kind of confidence that equipped us to right. deal with white people and to deal with white racism in a right. completely different way.
1: We got the music here because we and, got you, Like, can you hold over to the next segment? Sure. Alright, we'll be back with uh, Jason Hill on Black and Right AM 560, The Answer.
0: We now return to Black and Right on AM 560. Here are Charles Love and John Anthony.
6: And was at the immigration scene,
7: and
1: Welcome back to Black and Right on AM 560, The Answer. We hail uh, Jason Hill, author of We Have Overcome, over from the break. Just a couple more minutes with you there, Jason. Thanks for staying. Um, I wanted to talk about, you know, you talk about assimilation, why that is key, and how that plays into how well um, the um, American dream or the views of America will be uh, perpetuated in someone who's an immigrant.
9: Right. Well, I think that we are gravely in danger of becoming uh, uh, what Europe is has become, which is a a parallel society where, um, you know, we um, we need to have a society where foreigners don't necessarily give up their cultural habits, but they assimilate to a set of political ideals and norms and mores that are constitutive of who and what America is. That is, you can speak your language privately if you want, you can cook your foods, but your public identity coalesces, coalesces around the core features of American, uh, of what I call Americanism. And what we have coming out of America is where foreigners come here, especially Muslims, we're in danger of seeing Islamization of America where we're going to see the application of Sharia law, where a lot of foreigners come here and want to supplant their ethnic identities onto America and expect America and expect American identity to subordinate itself to their mores and and norms and have their mores and their norms supersede American identity. And that is very dangerous because America stands for something, Yes. We stand for liberty, freedom of conscience, yes. freedom of separation of states and, and church. And what we're seeing is a, a parallel parallel society com, com, taking place in this country where immigrants think that the countries that they have left, they want to transport the more is and norms norm, to, to America. Why would you have left your country
2: to stay <laughs> that, there? That's what we just spoke about. Jason, tell us a little bit about your experience with the American immigration system. Uh, how easy was the the uh, green card, the visa system? Um, what needs well, to be changed about it? Well, I came here in 1985 at the age of 20. I'm
9: 54 under Reagan. I came here legally. My grandmother was was a citizen because she was vetted. Her her brother was was married an American for 40 years, so he sponsored her. She sponsored my mother. My mother sponsored my brother and I. We were vetted very very thoroughly. My mother had to. My grandmother had to have an affidavit, a bank account of of over $40,000. My mother had to secure employment before she could um, come to this country to show that she was not a parasite on the state. We were vetted very, very thoroughly. We came here with green cards uh, under President Reagan, and um, I came here with $100 in my pocket. I worked up to four jobs to put myself through school as an undergraduate before I won a scholarship to do a Ph.D., um, it was a terrible struggle, but I, I never gave up. I, I graduated magna Cum Laude. What has to be changed is that we cannot just have open borders where we allow immigrants into this country unvetted. It is ridiculous what is going on where we think that anyone has a right to come in. Immigration right. is a privilege. is not a right. Mm-hmm. It is a privilege. And we have to have a vetting process. It's tragic that there are good people who want to come into this country, but not everyone can be let in. Some are going to unfortunately be disqualified for a myriad of reasons. But we've got to have a proper vetting uh, process, and we've got to change the narrative that immigration is a right. It's not a right, it's a privilege. Every country has the right to secure its borders and to develop criteria for who gets let in. And who is not permitted?
1: Well, ends. thank you, Jason. And That's a great covered. place to leave it because we definitely want to talk more about that. We have some others. I appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on for and giving us some context. Um, and uh, have a great day. Thank you. That was a great answer. It was. You know, uh, the reason I liked it so much was because it left it right there. So everybody can't get in because we can't take 7 billion people in here. And who says so? Who so said we some, some people, well, common sense says we can't. And then. Uh, it's important because he, you know you asked him about how his story when he came here. He talked about the the immigration piece, the the, the you know the logistical. Did you hear that vetting point? No, though? but uh, yeah, that he talked about all that. That's great. But what I picked up from that was the whole multiple jobs, only a hundred dollars, doing all the work mm-hmm. thing. Well, here's the thing that people that everybody thinks that you're knocking black people. Black people uh, talking to them specifically, and those who who have different thoughts about black people that used to be black Americans. Right. That's That's important to say. We used to have that same work ethic. We used to work that hard. We used to talk about how you would get off a job and go to another job. So that's not, you know, something that we act like this is something because we've had generations of it. Unfortunately, we act like if you go back in our DNA that that's what the immigrants do and that's what the white man do. But the black man's lazy and all that kind of stuff. That's craziness. No, that used to be us. So we have to we have to answer
2: the question as to what happened there. So I'm going to push back a little bit on you. I do. I don't think Black America is 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 that far away from that. I, I still do believe that Black America still still has that work ethic. I still think they have that motor where they want to um, be able to come to America, give back to America. I I mean, there are so many people. I mean, look 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 here in Illinois. Look here in Illinois. Almost every form of government has a Black person. I think I do work. No, what hard. I'm saying because black people do work hard. I, I'm, when I hear people say black people don't work hard, that's a, that's not true. Is that what I said? No, no. It's basically what you alluded <laughs> you you were, to. No, really? Yeah, it's what you alluded. to. I think I just said the opposite of that. I you said, said we used that. to have that work ethic. Oh yeah, you don't get it. But we do. We, we we never lost that work ethic. Okay. There are some people that may not have it. Yeah, but we haven't lost as as a, as a but, whole as a, as a race. That's what I'm saying. Okay, so now. Let's co- quickly go to Andre, who's from
1: Poland, to hear the Polish experience. Hey, should I try it? Say I'm his scared. name. Go ahead. This is Andre Oryszkiewicz. How'd I do? Hey, uh, good morning, <laughs> Charles and John. Hey, good afternoon. Aren't you, aren't you in the oh, same well, time zone just, I'm in? Or are you in Poland?
2: <laughs> what was that last um, part of that day?
10: Well... Uh,
1: <laughs> How are you? So, uh. How fantastic. Great show, guys. Well, John thank you. And, uh, Charles. Thank now, you, you have you an interesting story because you came here as an adult. You weren't fleeing anything. So, you know, you, you, you came here. And, uh, so tell us a bit about your experiences both in Poland and, uh, when you first arrived here in America.
10: Sure. I, I came here when I was 23 years old and I followed, uh, love however i um, grew up in poland uh during the solidarity time so i so i so i kind of i'm i'm kind of a rebellious uh, spirit and uh, i i was 16 when the uh, uh martial law uh, was was enacted and then took another 8 years until uh, uh, finally the solidarity movement um the the uh, uh, united states with ronald reagan right. and a republican party and uh And uh, a Catholic church with uh, Pope John II and the independent unions uh, made it happen that uh, uh, socialism or or the communism uh, failed around the world and in in, um, Europe.
1: Right, it's because you were there during that time, so you understand that, and (laughs) and, um, I think that... What's unique is what I want to talk to you about. The reason I wanted to have someone from Poland on is what, what I find is this unique turn. So, America, you live during the, the, the crust of the communism in, in, in Europe and, and, and that battle. And you came here to this wonderful free country. And now we're exactly. you're watching people scream socialist every day. And now Poland is the most conservative yeah. country in Europe now. I mean, if I had Charles, to flee here, right, if, yes. the, if, if, the, if the Bernie Sanders and the leftist witness and I got to move here, the place I got to go is Poland. So how did, isn't it weird? Don't you, as a Pole, think, sit back and think, wow, that's weird where I came from. It's got to be more startling for you watching us slowly, even though some of us are fighting, turn into what you fled.
10: It It is exactly right. I am uh, uh, amazed. I, I witnessed fall of uh, communism or the socialism or uh, Marxism, which is the same thing. And, was it and democratic? Now, though? was I'm, it
1: democratic socialism? Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs>
10: uh, yes. <laughs> um, uh, and and here I am, thirty years uh, later, and I see the Marxism is, is being resurrected. Out of all countries, the United States of America, the the greatest nation on God's green. Uh, earth, can you say that again? Can, can you say that?
2: Hey, hey! Can you say that last part one more time for me? <laughs> it's the America we, is the, the what? United
10: States of America is the greatest nation on God's green earth.
1: Wow. Amen, Andre. Thank you. You uh, were short but powerful. You gave the people some really interesting, thought-provoking comments. Capital, cap, uh, capitalism is greater than communism. You're listening, to, you're listening to Black and White right on AM five sixty. The answer.
0: Back to Black and Right with John Anthony and Charles Love on AM560, The Answer.
1: Um, Welcome back to Black and Right with John and Charles. It's so hard making me talk over Sweet Madam Blue love sticks. But we're back. And we have uh, an interesting caller. I want to go to Karamabib. Welcome to Black and Right.
11: Hey, thank you, guys. How
1: are you? I'm doing great. Doing well. I hope I didn't butcher. This is an interesting show. Uh, my producer is like, man, you're killing me in here. I'm making a point to produce all the uh, to uh, pronounce all the callers' names properly. But you got all these <laughs> dark immigrants calling up in here. But uh, sorry,
2: Hoff Daddy. But
1: uh, you you have a unique take. Uh, I know. I don't know how much of the other stuff you've heard, but we've been listening to experiences from people from different countries, and they all have a similar tie-in, but there's slightly different nuances that bring something different to the conversation. You are a Pakistani Muslim, so it's yes, un- wonderful yes. to hear what uh, both a Muslim would say about America and his experiences here, which would obviously would be different from some of the others. So tell us what your experience has been like since you've been in America. Got the popcorn. Well,
11: <laughs> now now, well, share some popcorn with me too, by the way. Uh, <laughs> See, he well, my experience, first of all, uh, I came in 2002, so right after one year of 9-11. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think I was like the couple of first ones from Pakistan who got the visa to come here as a student. Mm-hmm. And when I was going there, applying for the whole process, everyone was saying, hey, they're rejecting it. Don't even go. Don't even bother. But I said, hey. I have nothing else to do. I really want to try. And uh, if it goes through, sure. If not, then, yeah, you know, I'll be with other people. But anyway, fast forward, I'm here. uh, First couple of years as any student, international student, it was like kind of interesting. Trying to learn the culture, trying to, you know, learn the slangs, trying to see how things work over here. But, but what made you want to come
1: initially, though? So when you said, I know people were like, Oh, they're not going to let you go, especially with the circumstances at the time. But what made you say, hey, I'm, I'm, I think I want to go and uh, do some schooling there. What, what, was, what piqued your interest?
11: So I I had a really good family over there. Like, you know, I could have just stayed there and do nothing. But I <laughs> really wanted to That's do a hell of a fault. description.
1: I'm bored. <laughs> I'm, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm booking a flight to Pakistan right now. I they stay there and do nothing. But, go on. Exactly. But, yeah, like,
11: I wanted to prove myself. I'm like, hey, I want to go outside. I want to do something. I want to see the world. And I But, really but you, didn't pick Japan. Like that. you
1: didn't pick Japan. You didn't pick uh, Iran. You didn't pick uh, France. Why here?
11: So, I did, actually. I applied USA, uh, London, Canada, and Australia. Those wow, after countries.
1: 9-11 and you got in here. Look at that.
11: Exactly. So, USA was top number one priority. And the reason was, I'm a civil engineer. And I'm like, okay, I want to do my master's, where I can get a master's. And if I come back to Pakistan, and if I have to do a work or job or anything, who will pay the best? Who was, you know, the best bucks or the, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. uh, for my education? In the end, of course, USA was number one. Canada was number two for educational-wise. And even USA too, like there were like three, four different universities I applied. I actually went to IIT right on South Side. I stayed there for 14 years. Love that area, Bridgeport and stuff. And um, basically, that was my number one. I had also applied in Colorado State University. I got my I twenty oh. from there. So then, once I got start getting acceptance from different universities in USA, then I'm like, you know what? Let me start focusing over there. So then I start focused over there, and yeah, I'm, I'm here.
2: So is it? It's Karam, 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 Karam. Which one is it? <laughs> Perfect. Oh, Where, I said it perfect.
11: Well, yes, you are fine. Quran is good. So, and uh, a lot of people butcher my
2: name. That's fine. I, I, I apologize if I do. But what I want to get to is I mean, when you're here in America now. Um, how are your family dealing with you being in America? And, and do you, do you the, the topic of the show today is America greatness. Do you believe, yeah. it, well, how do you feel about America being called the greatest country in the nation?
11: It is the greatest country in this nation, in this world. I can tell you, I mean, nothing against anyone, but you never saw, like, none of you guys have gone outside, lived in any country, have stayed there and seen how things work. I mean, come on, an uh, immigrant who is not a good, like, English is not my first native language, who's here as a student and being here for 10, 15 years, and the things I have done, uh-huh. can't complain. Trust me, it will take me 25 years in my country to achieve what I have done over here, Amen. without any help, Amen. without anything. And same goes for anyone. Like, you come here, it's land of your dream. Like, you can dream for something, and tomorrow, the only reason you won't achieve it, because you are lazy or you are thinking something else.
1: Well, I want to leave it this. I know it's not perfect, and you probably uh, um, dealt with experience some bad things, because that happens everywhere, but... Tell me, when, I assume that when that happens, you separate what happens from a person to the country. But as a as a Muslim, like you said, you came here after nine eleven. You got in, you made it through the process. But obviously, you've experienced some people, some comments, some looks, some things about people saying things about Muslims. How do you take those kind of situations?
11: Well. I think I got lucky. I don't know what was written on my face. I never got called out. Never, <laughs> nobody ever asked me anything. Wow. The only so it's not thing every was, single person? Not every, like No, not at all. Like, I would just say a couple of times, people would just ask me, hey, so what religion are you? Okay, so what do you think when people say Muslims are bad? I'm like, well, they are wrong. They might <laughs> not have seen a lot of Muslims. Oh, yeah, that's true. And that's it. Like, I never got in a conversation, conversation. After. That is
1: a great way to uh, leave the segment. Thank you, uh, Graham. Um, when we come back, we'll have a cautionary tale from Wharton. This is Charles and John, Black and Right, AM 560, The Answer.
0: This is Black and Right on AM 560 with Charles Love and John Anthony.
1: That you too. Welcome back to Black and Right AM Five Sixty, The Answer with John and Charles.
2: Hey, hey Charles, I, I'm going to question your blackness with this this selection of music. They're immigrant
1: songs. You got to go look up the lyrics. They're all refugee, green card. You know, come on. If you say theme. so, okay, if theme. you say so. So um, as we're talking America's greatness to the uh, experiences of immigrants, we have Warden on the line. Warden is. Uh, Brazilian. He's an attorney who specialized in religious law. He has a master's degree in theology and ethics, and he is here um, doing a r- religious pastoral internship at the Addison Street Community College. Wharton, welcome to Black and White. Right. Wow.
8: Hey, thank you, Charles, and thank you, John, for having me on your show. Uh, I've been appreciating to, to listen to all the people talking on the radio show right now. It's been awesome.
1: Right. You're going to have to speak. So we're going to make a deal. I know I talk fast. I'm going to talk slower. You're going to have to speak up a little bit. It's a little low.
8: Oh, I know. I know. I know I have to the microphone here. Oh, oh, you're there good is. now.
1: Sorry. So, uh, uh, you know, so, we talked about... So, uh,
8: just on just correction. Uh, my pastoral residency is uh, at Edison Street Community Church. Uh, college.
1: Oh, yeah. I, I said college. Oh, yeah. At church. <laughs> at the church. You know, Nation. I attend. I know. Nation I, church. Right. Yeah. Nation church. But,
8: but I don't think... I was saying thank you for having me in your show. It, uh, I appreciate listening to all, of you. all of the immigrants. It's uh, been awesome so far. Thank you, for the, thank you and congratulations for the show. Well,
1: thank, thank you. you. <laughs> so we want to do two quick segments as time goes by really fast. I want to talk first about, from a political, economic standpoint, about Brazil. You know, with like I mentioned with some of the other callers about this big push for socialism here in America. And you had somewhat of, a, of an experience there. I know you've... Uh, just elected uh, uh, someone from the conservative party, you had a period of kind of like left-leaning people for a while, and before that it was more moderate. So talk about the transition and how that affected the economy there.
8: Well, uh, what is happening in Brazil right now, we have a new government, which is conservative, and that is trying to be liberal uh, economically-wise. We actually, um, after the new constitution in eighteen eighty eight, we... All the time has been governed and ruled by uh, socialist or social democratic parties which are pretty much the same about it but anyway, uh, after twenty or almost thirty years of a very progressive and leftist government uh, we 're trying to Brazil's trying to recover from the conflict that's uh, the, the, what 's current so what really
1: would happened. you what no. would you say to the Americans you see in here if you could speak to um You know these people who are pushing for more government controls, uh, free everything, and that kind of thing. Not even from a political thing, because you're not a citizen here. But what would you do as a cautionary tale? What would you tell them? Some of the pitfalls that they may uh, run into if we move down that path.
8: Well, uh, first of all, most of people who uh, really are for socialism or more government control, actually, they have no idea what they're talking about. Unfortunately, that's a reality. They think of a utopia that's coming with it. Uh, they, they think of uh, a perfect world that is going to be uh, possible if government controls every area of our life. Uh, but the opposite is exactly what happens. If you see what's happening right now in Venezuela, that's a consequence of uh, government control to the extreme. And, uh, in, and Brazil was going the same way. Uh, actually, there was a president engaged a, 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 a years ago and uh, they were very uh, going, they're going very fast in the same uh, direction as Venezuela was well going. And uh, we, we started feeling that in Brazil. And then the whole population went on the streets, the biggest uh, street movement that ever happened in the country. And uh, that was uh, enough to pressure at the Congress to impeach the, the ex president, mm-hmm.
2: uh, Warden, I got a question for you. Well, how do you feel yeah. about the, 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 you know, the fake news and, and all about the, how the coverage of the Amazon is being done um, throughout the world? Oh,
8: yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, uh, well, you know how that happened? End of August, uh, President Macron, he, uh, he tweeted uh, exactly this. Our house is burning literally. The Amazon, the rainforest, uh, the lunch which produces 90 percent of our planet's oxygen is on fire. It's a national price. I mean... That's the most condensed fake news that you're gonna find in the internet huh, this year. Because first of all, <laughs> uh, Brazil is not his house. That's fake, right? Maybe what's burning is his, is his house. Yeah, in France. A lot of churches are burning, and he wasn't able to control the old fire uh, that was happening in the, in the, in the uh, Notre Dame Cathedral, right? So yeah, his uh-huh. house is on fire, not Brazil. Uh, the Amazon uh, is not the length of the world. Uh, actually, uh, it produces maybe six to nine percent of the oxygen, which is, uh, which
1: consumes
8: itself because it's a closed ecosystem. Uh, so uh, yeah.
1: But I what about what the about world. the uh, photo that M- Macron uh, posted? What,
8: what is it, what is it again? The oh, photo the that he posted. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was the funniest part of, about that. Because uh, actually, he posted a picture from a, from 1989, 30 years ago. And the guy who took that picture died in 2003. And he posted that picture as it was, like a a picture that was going on right now on Amazon. So that became a joke. That became a joke around the world. I even, I even posted on my Facebook.
1: Well, thank you, Ward. Now, hopefully people yes. will hear this and understand the importance of the free market, capitalism, and... Uh, um the freedom that they have in America and won't let that go. You are listening to Black and Right on AM 560 The Answer with John and Charles.
0: This is Black and Right on AM 560 with Charles Love and John
1: Anthony. Welcome back to Black and Right on AM560, The Answer with John and Charles. Final segment. A while back, we said, hey, we were one hour. We said we need two, so now we need like two or three more. Probably. (laughs) So we've been talking about America's greatness through the eyes of immigrants. And uh, John's going to close out the show, but briefly, I want to mention a couple points from an article I got. It says uh, from the Wall Street Journal that says why Bernie Sanders is wrong about Sweden. And it's the Swedish-born economist who talks about, yeah, yeah, Sweden has a significant welfare state, but it's underpinned by ruthless capitalism, he calls Uh-oh. it. He said, sec- technically, it's not true to call it a socialist country because we weren't socialists. We experimented in it from the 60s and 70s, which doubled the size of government. And now they, they backed off of it. So some of the quotes from the article is it resulted in less work, people preferring to stay at home and paint the house rather than hiring someone to do it. General lack of getting that kind of education that matters. It led to entrepreneurs leaving Sweden, right? That's what he said the experiment of socialism led to. Wow. He also, but he said at the same time the government came in and they cut capital gains, corporate taxes, and, and cut the top uh, marginal income tax. So while we were saying, they were say, saying that they were uh, socialists, they weren't really socialists in the way that we, the Bernie's talking about it. Uh, he said they've been more deregulated. The product markets are much fiercer, uh, have much fiercer competition and much more free trade. All of the companies know that they have to be world champs or they will be destroyed. To healthcare. He also says that wow. it's kind of a flat tech, it's more regional than national, and all that is underpinned by private health care, whereas, you know, American uh, Democrats aspire to abolish private insurance. He said one of the biggest hospitals in Stockholm was privatized, and you can't, you can go to private providers. And the first line of health care defense in their country is a private clinic. So I want you to want oh, you know when, when, when Bernie's referencing, I want to be more like Denmark. Because, you know, they used to say Cuba and Venezuela and right. everywhere else yeah. until they crashed. And then they just keep <laughs> moving the countries around. And now they're on uh, Sweden. And he wanted to point out that they weren't uh, really. Let um, me
2: guess. He didn't get called out on this. Of course
1: not. Okay. What do you got?
2: You know, you know, Charles, I, what I want to do after each show is do what I call the final thoughts about, you know, just to basically sum up what I think the show was about today deep thoughts that's right let's i need the music the real slow music come on let's go let's go hop daddy uh no but i'm just gonna <laughs> stand over here and wave my American flag. america still stands as the beacon for a world that i believe is languishing in darkness i believe that so many people are beginning to see that city on the hill that reagan spoke so eloquently of the simple idea of america and its greatness has led the people of hong kong to cry out for freedom The people of Iran had this same cry for help so many years ago. I want as many people as possible to come to this great nation and thrive. To maintain our status as a nation, people must abide by the laws that have been put in place. This is why American greatness has lasted so long. Our entire immigration system needs significant reform. However, it will take the men and women that you and I have elected to do the right thing, even... If it means risking their seats of power, America continues to be great because of the American people. America will be even greater when our elected officials stop worrying about the next election and do the right thing. Today, we have a president who is willing to do just that in the form of President Donald J. Trump. Trump. These are my final thoughts. Really? Come on, Charles. I'm waving a flag. You're like America, the, the shining beacon on the hill.
7: The bombs singing. Through, through the night. A flag was still there. Oh, say the stars sprinkle.
2: Then I I can't sing. Oh, the just for another, another two-hour show on Black and Right on AM 560. We'll see you next week.